Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of, but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn Podcast. So I learned my lesson from last week from my, you could hear my wife downstairs and I realized this morning that she was louder this week than last week. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to win that battle. This microphone is too sensitive to win that battle. Yeah. Yeah. Your microphone is very sensitive. But. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you should be happy today. Let's we'll just start off on a different topic and we'll blend in. You should be very happy today. I should. Yeah, your your least favorite guy in the world is moving uh, tonight or tomorrow morning or one of the two. It can't happen soon enough for me to be like honest. I said. It's like I said. It's probably a very good day for well, you. So it, look, you know, I'm not a political animal, but the guy's just, in my opinion, basically a douchebag. So the sooner now, we I get will, him out of there, the better. I will tell you this: as a as a small eye or large, well, not really a large. I don't like the large eyes. As a small eye, independent. <laughs> One of the nice things I like about it is I can, I can see things from both perspectives. Now it's oh, different sure. than Mar Margaret Thatcher said that you don't want to be in the middle because you get hit with cars going both ways. <laughs> but uh, your your old friend Margaret Thatcher. Um, but I will tell you this: the reason I say that is that uh, I will tell you that people that don't like Trump will all agree that he's a douchebag, and I will tell you that there's a lot of people that do like Trump that think he's a douchebag, but they love him because he's, he's either one hour douchebag or two, it's irrelevant in how they view him. So that, that's a fair point. I don't think you're going to get a lot. I think you'll get a 90% approval rating, maybe an 80% approval rating on that comment. Well, I'm, I'm basically concerned about, uh, you know, Trump leaving as soon as possible. A, because he'll do, you know, the sooner he gets out, the less damage he will do. I hear he's looking at pardoning over a hundred more people before he leaves. And two, I have a real concern about manatees in this country. And, uh, you, you know, he's going to pardon I, the manatee guy. <laughs> no, I think he, he may pardon the manatee guy. But, you know, that when he's in office, if people are going to be, you know, scratching Trump under the back of manatees and it's an it's an issue, and it, it you know I think the sooner he's out, the better it's going to be for manatees in this country. That's all I have. To say. 
you know. I will tell you this is it's interesting. Somebody brought this up yesterday, and I don't care either way. I mean, like you get to do it. It's part of the president's job. You can pardon people and stuff. Blah blah blah. He's do you know how many people have pardoned? <laughs> Trump has pardoned so far ninety-one people. So far, before today, oh. I don't know what he did today or what he's going to do today. I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't even think he knows. Right? No, he doesn't know. No, he's just you know <laughs> they'll have a pile of papers. Just give me your little like Richter <laughs> scale signature. Rick, no, he has he ever see a signature? It's like the Richter scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know how many Obama pardoned and Bush One, pardoned? Two, I think. One thousand. Bush did or Obama? Bush did almost a thousand. He did like nine hundred and seventy, I think. And Obama oh did a, Obama did eleven hundred. No, are you mm-hmm. pulling my uh, no, just, USB just a, cord? Mal, that being said, it's not as egregious <laughs> as Bill Clinton pardoning Mark Rich, who I still remember right. on his last day of office. That was terrible. That guy's an well, international. He was an international fugitive. You basically pardon who him, isn't these days who isn't an international fugitive these days plus the guy the guy's a billionaire and his last name is rich you know you've got to give him some you know some slack yeah. with that yeah, yeah and it, you, you know you know what his middle name is right getting more is very <laughs> yeah i thought it was getting more rich now if you're listening to this i have a golden retriever who absolutely would not he was scratching at the door when I put him inside. Mm. Now I put him inside and he's like, has to be outside. Mark Rich? Wasn't his name Mark? Or... It is. Yeah. You know, what his, so... and his brother, I heard, was named Richie, but there's no independent confirmation of that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling that that is a rumor that's unsubstantiated at this time. But I am very surprised to hear about all of those, uh, of those pardons, especially, I, I think we're talking George W., Right, not George Senior. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the old the old evil. I mean, George W was the, mm. the useful idiot. He yeah. was he he wasn't he's the guy that Hell. was the legacy admission to wherever he went. Um, George H W is an evil scoundrel. I haven't used the word scoundrel in a while, but I I, I never had many good things to say about him at all. And then he married his grandmother, which I just thought was really weird. Um, yeah, let's not, let's not take pot shots at, uh, at old ladies, man. You know, we, we got a uh, kid gloves when it comes to the gray haired ones. Well, fair enough. You know, they always say, if you can't make fun <laughs> of yourself, make fun somebody who's not there because they can't defend themselves and they both kick the bucket. So mm. there's no, uh, there's no countervailing, you know, attorney on their side. Well, I didn't like him. I, ne- I didn't like him. You know, the, my first time I ever voted was 96. And I just, you know, it's funny. I Or no, it was, was it 96? No, it was 92. And I didn't like George Bush at all. I remember I voted for my mom, I think. Mm-hmm. So my first time I ever got to vote, I didn't vote for any of the people on there. Again, I'm the independent. I just hated him. I thought he was horrible. I didn't yeah. like him. He's a warmonger. A lot of horrible people in the world, and and most of them tend to lean toward politics, in my opinion. Now, I do have a saying. The the same way (laughs) that pedophiles tend to lean toward the Boy Scouts. (laughs) Well, playgrounds in general. Yes. Children's playgrounds. But they're just there to watch and make sure everybody's safe. But listen, um, (laughs) one of my favorite sayings is, before you criticize somebody, make sure you walk 
at least a mile in their shoes. And the reason for that is, Matt, that number one, they won't be able to do anything to you because you'll be a mile away. And number two, you will have their shoes. So, you know, these, these things are, you know, you know, I think you should live your life by, by these sayings and uh, you'll be good. You know. And that's why exactly why I don't criticize circus clowns, because I can't walk a mile in a size 50. <laughs> and I definitely don't. And, I, and while that that makes sense, because I also yeah. don't criticize scuba divers because I can't walk a mile in those flippers like that's just yeah. not going to happen. So the, the, there's some challenges in life, you know, which leads kind of leads us to our topic for today. But um <laughs> yeah so there is yeah so let's just go right into that because i don't have a better segue than that one all right so today we're going to talk about networking now if you think about a topic that people are probably caught flat-footed pardon the pun again with you know the whole flippers thing if you're <laughs> or the clown shoes um bad arches a, yeah that's a great segue we got mm. <laughs> so seeing the, something that's hard to do and you're getting caught flat-footed the one question I wanted to talk about today, and, and I don't even know that any of us have an answer yet necessarily, mm. but I think mm-hmm. we probably have some good you know, thoughts or ideas or you know, maybe we'll have a good answer by the time this episode is over. But what does networking like, look like in 2021? Now, if we, had had this, if we had had this episode two years ago, it's like, I mean, it would have been you know, the same as usual. Uh, we probably might be talking about competing networking platforms, at least organizing platforms would probably be a better way to put that, whether it's Meetup, which I know you have opinions on, mm-hmm. uh, Eventbrite, um, you know, there's a bunch of other ones. We're not going to get into that. Even last year, it was the same thing. You know, maybe we might talk about starting your own Meetup or, or what have you. But going into 2021, I think 2020 has just thrown us for a loop. You know, I remember being, I remember being at my, I think it was my last in-person networking event and yeah, it was crazy. It was, you know, it was before the mask man, like masks really started to be something that everybody wore mm-hmm. and we just started, and the big topic was talking about pivoting in the COVID thing. Cause we only thought it was going to be a couple weeks, right? Fast forward nine months later. And I think all of us are just sitting here, just feeling like a boxer is just taking left and right hooks. We don't know what way is up. We don't know what state we're in, we're, you know, and, really? and validly, we don't probably don't even know what year we're in. Like, you know, it's not even like there was a great New Year's celebration at the end of the year to tip mm-hmm. us off. Um, so I kind of wanted to open that up. So kind of, you know, at first blush, what's your thought on, on you know, kind of what do you think? 2021 holds for networking? What does it look like? All right, Matt. Well, first of all, let me say that networking, the term networking, which is basically connecting through other people, okay, uh, is one of my areas of specialty. I did a workshop for it for the uh, uh, San Diego uh, startup, uh, which went cyber this year. But the year before, they had a great uh, uh, event at the convention center <clears throat> where um, they had many speakers and, uh, and uh, a great opportunity to network um, because you're just running into all kinds of people who are interested in things that you're interested in. 
attending these workshops and breakouts and all kinds of good stuff. So I actually did a, a small uh, workshop on networking and it's something that I, uh, I enjoy. Um, and it's something that I have spent quite a bit of time uh, thinking about and participating in. So, uh, so I'm glad it's a topic for discussion today. And I think it's an important topic because for, for a couple of reasons, Matt, first of all, networking is really a part of everything that's important to an entrepreneur. It's an important part. And would you say it's, in, it's part of marketing, you know, marketing a very huge umbrella, but I would say a, an important part of what's going on with marketing is networking because networking is literally connecting to uh, people who can help people who may have uh, a, either a desire or a need for what you have to offer, but more importantly, connecting to people who connect to other people. And so when you, when you think about networking, it isn't just a matter of introducing yourself to somebody else who may be a good resource or who may be in the market for what you have to offer or a need for your services, et cetera, um, but also someone who might have some good information from you for you uh, regarding any number of different challenges or, or, uh, or areas of, uh, of uh, interest that you have. Um, so, but the important thing is who are they connected to? Who are they, uh, who's a part of their network? So uh, just as a brief intro, right? It's a very important part of, of marketing. Um, basically, if you think about it, Anything that isn't networking is basically spam. Uh, you presenting what you have to offer to an unknown entity, hoping in some way that you're going to attract their attention and then they're going to follow uh, along with what you have to say and at some point uh, will become a, a client or a customer or buy whatever it is that you have. And, and that's called spam or advertising, <laughs> you know, um, which isn't too much different from, from spam. In my opinion, advertising is basically just a very sophisticated form of spam. So, but networking is something different. And why is it different? Because networking is about cultivating relationships. And of course, you know that the number one thing on everybody's mind when they're uh, when they're connecting and or uh, introducing themselves to other people or finding out about other people is uh, WIM, WIFM. What's in it for me? Okay, and uh, so. Everybody approaches it from that point of view. What's in it for me? But the true network, the true good networker approaches it from the opposite of that, which is what can I do for you? <clears throat> and, and how can I do it in a way that benefits you within, of course, the boundaries and limitations of time and energy and, and so forth. Uh, so, 
it's always been we're social animals. We've created this, this, the world that we live in because we are connect to other human beings and we identify with other human beings and we use the resources that are provided by other human beings. And so, uh, you know, that's what makes the, has made the world what it is today. And it's so important in business and it's so important for the entrepreneur because the entrepreneur literally by definition is, is creating something. He's creating something sometimes from, very little and sometimes from a lot, but it's a creative process, a building creative process. And the, and the, an important part of that creative building process is connecting with the resources, the know-how, the intelligence, uh, the abilities of other people who make up, maybe part of a corporate entity or may not be part of a corporate entity, but so kind of moving to your question, which is <clears throat> how is that gonna change is in my opinion, not much of it is gonna change. Okay, the basic fundamentals are going to be there and going to be the same as they have always been because human beings are the same. And what's going to change of course is uh, how some of the tools that we use and, and to some degree, at least for a while longer, uh, because of the social distancing and because people aren't getting together physically in groups as much as they used to, at least not with permission of the government anyway. And, um, uh, and we have this, you know, this pandemic a situation. Uh, so some of the tools are going to be different, are going to be used, of course, connecting via, uh, via, uh, uh, via the digital, uh, you know, Zoom and so forth is going to be prominent. But the basic principles of what you do and how you do it are going to be the same. And uh, you can get into it, but I would say, you know, some of the basic principles are you want to, uh, you want to, you don't want to be a, a douchebag, you know, you want to be somebody who people like, you want to connect with people in a way that's authentic, um, you want to connect in a way where people don't feel, at least don't feel manipulated, uh, you want to connect in a way where people see uh, the opportunities uh, that you have to offer and also uh, feel as if they're important and that they're going to get something of benefit out of it. And so it's basically other directed as opposed to me, 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 me. Uh, and, and, and that's really one of the fundamentals of, of networking. And if, if you don't have that, if you don't have that, then you can look at the techniques. The techniques are not gonna work very well for you. And what you'll really be doing is putting people off and uh, distancing people uh, from wanting to connect to you because they basically feel like you're uh, either selfish or you're not listening or you're not 
really taking into consideration what their needs are. And so it's, it's an art, it's an art and a science. And, uh, and, and some of the techniques will uh, have always been uh, the same and some are going to be uh, adapted for this new way of doing things. This, what we call the new, the new reality or the, the new normal. So um, that's just like I want to say to start with regarding networking. What do you think, Matt? So, yeah, so I, I kind of like one of the things you mentioned um, initially about just, you know, use the word spam, which I used to be in advertising. So that, that word, if you ever even get close to being described, what you're doing is spam, <laughs> you, you need to leave the industry immediately. Um, and for those who don't know, I used to be a media planner. So my job was, you know, one of my clients was Procter & Gamble, just as an example. You know, they make pretty much, they own the entire like soap and home cleaning aisle in the grocery store. I mean, like that whole aisle, it just should say Procter & Gamble. Um, laundry detergent, kitchen soap, everything. So one of my jobs was they would give me a budget. Let's just say I had $5 million where we need to spend on... Um, let's say the military channel where we would market to like military spouses or things like that through their commissaries. Um, and so, it, I mean, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of research that goes into it and, you know, we're measuring everything. So mm -hmm. if somebody's if so if I'm look, looking at my business or, if, you know, looking at somebody's business and they say, well, you're just doing spam. It just all it means is you're buckshotting it. You're not giving a thought to it. You're just closing <laughs> your eyes, pulling out a gun, closing your eyes, leveling it, and shooting, <laughs> and just hoping you hit something out of just pure luck. <laughs> and that's not a plan. Now, if you're if you are, you know, we talked about this I think in a prior episode. If you're one of these people who is a trust fund baby, like the guy that I used to work with, who you know filled our coffee can and took us out for like the most expensive, nice dinner ever based on all the money he put in our violation can. Um, that's fine. He doesn't care. It's not his money. It's his daddy's money. Mm. But if this is your money, you know, and you're using it, that money could be spent, you know, on either paying down debt or going on vacation or whatever it is, it's coming out of your personal pocket. Um, you need to really think twice before spending any money whatsoever. Uh, so, with that being said, it's like, you have to have a plan. You have to, you know, you have to have a plan on what you're doing, how you're going to advertise and market really. And market's such a general term. Um, you know, how you're going to get the word out and how you're going to build, like, this is how I always looked at it. How you're going to build a fan base. Like if you're, mm. if you're a business and, and you're not a name brand business, right. You don't already have a huge following. Your job isn't to market or advertise. It's to build a fan base. That's, that's really it is you want to get, mm as many people that know about your business that have a positive uh, kind of a positive reaction to your business, whether or not they bought from you is totally different. So, you know, let's say for example, that you went into, you own, like I have a friend of mine that is a wholesale jeweler and he sells to Leo Hamill and a bunch of other people. But let's say that you're one of these, you want to upstart and you want to start a jewelry store. People may or may not buy from you. But if they walk into your business and they really have a positive experience, they're more likely to come back whether or not they bought from you at that time. So you're, mm -hmm. you're, you know, the revenues you have didn't change because they came in, but 
they must, you know, really love it. Maybe they were, you know, maybe they were going to get engaged with their girlfriend and then they found out, <laughs> found out a couple days later that she's totally, you know, seeing half the block, right? You know, like she's totally cheating on you or whatever, right? So it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to, I'm not going to buy the engagement ring today, but you were treated really well. So the next time you've, you know, you're kind of in that position, you know where <laughs> you're going to go. Yeah. So it's important to build that fan base up as much as possible. If you're an hmm. information marketer, which is more of kind of what you and I do, um, then I think more than anything, it's building, I hate the word relevant content, but meaningful content, something that really just hits home with whoever it is that you're trying to uh, reach out to. So if it's, you know, let's say I have a friend of mine and she does, it's so funny. She does um, networking advice for LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. which is like, I'm glad you're doing it because I would never want to do that. Uh, but for people that use it, it's like, all right, her job is basically to continue to put content that when she pops up in your email box, you actually want to read the emails. You know, when she puts up a video, which I presume she does, that you want to watch the video. And so you want to build that fan base. And so you can measure that in a couple different ways. You can measure that in subscriber counts, open rates, things like that. Um, but you want to have a plan on how to do that. And I think you mentioned something earlier, which was actually one of the things that I, I was going to say, and you kind of beat me to the punch was you really, a lot of us, we, we go to networking events and we think about our bottom line, what we want. And, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but you go to networking events and everybody in there trying to sell their own product, but nobody's actually there to buy. And I, I kind of refer, I refer to it as it's a forest full of hunters. Everybody's in the forest with their little Elmer Fudd shotgun. And they're looking for something to shoot, but everybody in there is a hunter. And so everybody walks out with buckshot injuries on their arms or, you know, and, and nobody ever buys, nobody ever sells anything because nobody's looking to buy. And so, you know, having a plan and, you know, is one thing, but having a focus on helping others is really important. So, you know, what can you do to further other people's business, to help them out, to, to solve a problem for them, um, you know, and, and really ask yourself the question, what do they need? And I think, you know, in life, that's kind of one of the things I've found, I'd probably, probably over the last 10 to 15 years is, is the biggest kind of mental breakthroughs that I've had have always started not with answering a question, but just asking the right question that you don't necessarily have the answer to. And I think in this instance, the question is, you know, what do they need? What do people that I can help, what do they need right now? And I think that's where, you know, in 2020, when we talked about pivoting, that's where kind of things changed. Before that, it was like, all right, what do they need? So maybe you have, like, I have a, a guy that went to our networking group and he sold, we talked about this a while back, he sold um, apparel that <laughs> supposedly could like, elevate your chi or whatever it is i mean i don't get it i'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not uh well versed in that area but then the the pandemic hit and everybody a lot of people lost their job they lost revenue they lost their bearings at the very least they didn't know what was going to happen and he asked that question and the first thing that he did you know he went from selling yoga pants to like because that was like a big thing his big market was people who went to yoga and all the it's all the the women that bought products for him, the only thing they cared about after a bunch of research was finding yoga pants that didn't show panty lines, right? So we went from that 
to selling masks. He was the first person that I've ever that I ever heard about that that was selling masks, mm-hmm. um, and it had his company's <clears throat> logo on it. Because he asked himself, well, what do they need? And it's like all of a sudden people are talking about getting masks. And this, remember, there was a run on masks. You couldn't find an N95 mask. You couldn't find toilet paper. Mm-hmm. And he was busy producing these. And he couldn't sell them fast enough. Like his biggest problem was how do I make more masks? Like because mm-hmm. he's a small independent business. I think there's like three people that work in his company. So how do you scale it up enough where you can actually meet the demand? Um. But that was the big thing that he asked is what do people need right now? And they don't need yoga pants because, you know, things are, this was like, I think right before it was like March 12th, 13th, right before the shutdowns hit. So people mm-hmm. aren't, don't care about buying yoga pants that don't show panty lines because their yoga studio is about to close. Mm-hmm. But what they need is a mask and they don't know anything about masks. You, you go to Home Depot and they're out. I mean, they're completely out of masks, but you ask, what do they need? And I think in 2021, that's the big question is what do people need? You know, what, you know, what's, what's going to be on their need list. And I think there's, there's a variable that we don't know yet. And so I kind of wanted to pivot, pardon my, pardon the pun, but I wanted to pivot um, to the next question based on that is, well, first of all, we don't know if, you know, how long the shutdowns are going to continue what they're going to look like, when will in-person meetups start up. We don't know that. I don't think anybody knows that. I think mm-hmm. if you ask the governor of our state, he doesn't even know that. Of course, he doesn't even know his middle name because the guy's a moron. But oh, <laughs> got to throw that in there. So, okay. um, but anyway, we don't, um, we just generally don't know that. And that's a big X factor that we need to consider. <laughs> so the big question is this, is how can you take advantage of the situation if either A, the shutdowns continue like well into the year or at the point of when in-person meetups start up and people feel comfortable going back to them. And I think that second part is really important. So, you know, on those two points, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on that? What if, if I know you and I talked about this last week, you know, the fact that, you know, on this, you're more of a pessimist and I'm kind of the, glasses not even half full but there's 15 glasses full right wow um i don't know but something like that so with that in mind you know how would you approach it if you had to figure out kind of a plan a or a plan b mm. shut if the shutdowns continue or if all of a sudden you know in-person meetups are you know not only happening but people are actually kind of clamoring to them okay well um First, let me let me just say that as regarding spam, spam is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, so if I call it spam, it's because it's a unsolicited attempt to get my attention, and I and the and whatever I perceive it to be about is something that I'm not interested in. For example. If somebody is sending me email or sending me messages about feminine hygiene products, uh, saying that this is something that I should be interested in because it's new and improved or it's better than it was or this or that, I don't care. I mean, that's spam. But now spam, in my opinion, okay, as a marketing guy, is very planned and it is very directed. And if you talk to anybody that does email marketing, Okay, or Facebook marketing, or any kind of you know marketing where you're directing a message to an to an audience. 
they'll tell you that without specific information about who you're directing it to, extremely specific information about who you're directing your message to, okay, uh, it's going to be perceived by the majority of people who get that message as either something they're not interested in or something they don't have time to become interested in or follow up on. Uh, e and that's why email marketing is, is essentially uh, becoming less and less effective because you only have a subject line to get somebody's attention. Uh, people are bombarded with email uh, to the degree that they don't have the time and unless it's something that they are expecting or are specifically very interested in or requested some information about, they're gonna ignore it because they don't have the time and they don't have the, uh, it, it's, just, it's just not on the top of their list. So, uh, uh, and, and there's other things that are more important to them at that moment. Does it mean that it's completely non-effective? No, it, it means that it's only effective to a degree. And it's effective to the degree that, uh, number one, your, your, the content or the message is in, is in alignment with the person that's reading it in terms of what the kind of person they are and what they're interested in at that time or what they might be interested in in the future. Um, Number two, the message is creates an impact. Uh, there's a variety of different psychological and social uh, theories and techniques and strategies for getting people's attention, either now or in the future. Uh, and two and three, how repetitive is it? Uh, if you, you're, there's always this balance between you want to give the, you want to send the message to them repeatedly at intervals. That's called drip, drip marketing. <clears throat> but at the same time, you don't want to 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 irritate them to the point where they just put you into the spam folder. They don't even want to hear from you anymore. And I'll give you an example. Um, You've heard of Robinhood, right? The app that lets people gamble, you know, by buying stocks, and uh, and it, it appeals to a lot to the to the millennials, and uh, it's just been doing gangbusters uh, because um, supposedly they don't charge anything for these stock transactions and so forth. Well, I started receiving a an email from them called Robinhood Snacks. It comes every Monday, and Usually, I don't pay any attention to these, but um, it, it, it goes to one of my main email addresses, which is an important email address for me, and I'm not sure how they got it. Um, I may have clicked on something in the past, uh, but here's the thing. They're humorous, and they're topical, and this particular email, I guess you, you could almost call it a newsletter type thing. Um, I usually re I usually read it. It's short. It's not too long. There's links in there if I want to go further on different things. But it's humorous. It's short. It's topical. It kind of sums up 
things that have been happening business-wise in the market and so forth for you know the last week or what they think is going to happen this week based on last week and so i peruse it now and i look at it and uh, they have my attention they have my attention for I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, maybe. Um, That's pretty good. And so the they are succeeding in, in what it is they're doing um, as far as getting my attention. And this is the, this, this, this marketing today is about getting people's attention. Uh, like I used to say, uh, count the number of eyeballs and divide by two, you know, and that's always been a fundamental part of advertising and put, putting your message out there is getting people's attention, getting people's interest, getting them to take action and uh, providing them with information that they need. But information doesn't necessarily cause them get somebody to buy something. So uh, you don't want to give people too much information either. So it's an art. It's a science. It's part of advertising and that's part of marketing. So um, with regard to spam, it's spam if you think it's spam. It's like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Spam is in the eye of the beholder. Now, um, so there's always going to be, no matter what your message is, and no matter how specific your audience is in terms of your planning and your, your demographics and your understanding of who the audience is, no matter how much you know, there's still going to, the majority of people that you contact are either don't have the time, uh, not interested, or you, you, you're talking to, talking to them about something that if you're very lucky, they may be, they might make a mental note of looking at in the future, okay? Um, the, the, the idea that they're going to do something immediately is is remote, okay? But if you can get somebody to, uh, if you can appeal to somebody in such a way and the timing is right and the message is, is constructed in such a way that they find it interesting and or useful, there's a much better chance that they'll click on a link or they'll pursue it further. And that's just, that's just the way it is. That's just marketing. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. So, but there is a, I believe a smart marketer is a marketer that plans a marketer that understands who their audience is. And it's the same for networking. Okay. It, it's the same thing you go in, whether you're in a room full of people or you're on a zoom call, um, with 50 people, um, or you're participating participating in some kind of networking event that's online, and there are a few of them out there like that. It's the same thing. It's the same principles apply. And to the degree that you can be effective, not only in your planning, but your execution, and you understand how it works, is going to be the degree to which you are going to be reasonably successful in, in, in your obtaining um, what you want, which is either a connection or a client or the purchase of your product or a follow-up. All of those things still apply. They apply to networking, they apply to advertising, and they apply to the market and what you and and what you and and what your marketing strategy is, whether there's a pandemic or no pandemic. That's my point.
All right, fair enough. Um, so how would you like? How would you recommend it to? And we'll just get into not like not very very like narrow specifics, but what would you recommend to people if if let's say hypothetically the shutdowns continued through I don't know September October? I mean for the bulk of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we got to weigh in the fact that there is, and I'm, and I'm just one of these people, let's put it out there. I know I've, we've already talked about this before, but there's a lot of people that have Zoom fatigue. Mm-hmm. But and, and at the same time, it's like part of the, one of the things I love talking to people, I'm just a social animal. And so if I go to a traditional networking event, you know, get back to normal networking event, <clears throat> you know, you find somebody that, you know, you're interested in talking to, you have a conversation, whatever, and you could talk to them for five minutes and somebody else for five minutes but you have kind of a one-on-one conversation intermittently at the very least. Mm-hmm. Zoom just doesn't work for me for that. Cause you're just in a room mm-hmm. and you, you may not know them, but it's like, it's, it's harder to really get to know somebody in a zoom situation, even if there's like a breakout room or something like that. Um, what would you recommend for people that have a hard time? Their plan, I'll put it this way. Their plan for networking hasn't worked in kind of the virtual space. So what would you recommend to them for somebody that just is like, I don't know what to do. I, I'm not, I'm so used to networking in a, in a physical, like one-on-one location. I don't know what to do. I'm literally without, I'm like blind. I don't know what to do. I don't have a plan. I'm just kind of meandering. What would you recommend for them? Well, um, that's a good question. <clears throat> I would say that, uh, first of all, uh, because we are connecting in the digital world, we are going to have to, a person is going to have to modify their strategy uh, to, for, to take that into consideration and to, to, to take advantage of what works in the digital world versus what works in the, in the, in the, un, uh, in the world of, of being in the same room with people and and uh, and connecting with people and and face to face, so to speak. Um, well, first of all, my experience has been, and like I said, I have participated in many networking uh, groups and organ uh, groups and uh, and meetings and events. And I would say one of the one of the things that uh, one of the main advantages in being in an un unsocially distanced situation is the sort of X factor chaos slash unpredictability, unpredictable aspect of it. Um, in that you go in, you're going into a room, you never know who you're going to meet. Uh, you're, you're going to, uh, you're going to, uh, you're going to be meandering. You're going to be moving around in a room. Um, and, and very often you'll connect with people just based on, eye contact or you just happen to be standing in the same area that they are and your list or maybe three or four people will be in a group and you'll approach that group and everybody will say hi they everybody knows that you're there to network okay so it's a little bit easier than just approaching some people say that are standing on a on a corner in a mall somewhere and then saying hey uh, hi i'm so and so you know <laughs> that doesn't work too well because nobody's there to network you know, they're there to do whatever it is that they're doing with their personal friends. So 
But in a network situation, everybody knows they're at a network. And the same applies to being online. If you're in a Zoom type situation, if it's if it's a if it's a webinar, you're not there to network. But if it's specifically designed to network, then it's 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 okay to uh, announce who you are and to request the attention or or request the opportunity to connect with other people. And by mutual agreement, um, you can. And I'll give you an example. I mean, this works. This works both in uh, in a in a larger group session uh, setting uh, online with Zoom or or what have you. Um, and it also uh, works in a different way where you're it's more directed and more specific. And I'll give you an example. I was in a networking uh, online situation uh, event, if you will. Um, I, I was just kind of just looking around uh, and I saw someone there and I, I could see that they were this was a, a woman who uh, was a marketing strategist and did podcasts. And I immediately, uh, uh, I immediately uh, saw the potential there for, uh, for possibly her help, me helping her, her helping me or getting, I saw a, a reason to get together, uh, to connect rather. So um, I saw on LinkedIn also, she was on LinkedIn. So I, I said I wanted to connect with her because we had some things in common. So I was being proactive, which is you what you want to do in networking is you want to be proactive. Uh, so uh, she said, yeah, go to my calendar link and set up a time and we'll talk. And so I set up a time. It was about two, a day and a time. It was about two weeks later. And uh, based on that link, that calendar link, um, we had a Zoom. Uh, uh, we had a talk together on Zoom. I could see her; she could see me. We had the, we both had the uh, the earphones on, and uh, we talked for almost an hour about what she did, what I did, um, what kind of clients she had, what kind of challenges she had. Um, we told some little some stories. We told a little bit about our background, and uh, we came to the conclusion that it was a good start. It was a it was a good connection. It was a good start. We did have some things in common. Uh, we had some challenges in common. We had some goals uh, for our respective uh, businesses in common, and we left it at that and said, "Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and connect again sometime in the future. I'll send you some information. You send me some information, and we'll connect again." And that's that's networking in a nutshell, really. It's cultivating relationships. Now, the thing you want to remember all the time with networking is it's not really as much about the person that you're networking with as about who they have in their network. So if you just connect with one person, that's fine. But keep in mind that when you connect with that one person, you're connecting with everybody that they're connected with. So that's where the that's where the leverage comes in. That's where the power comes in. And that's where the opportunity is really uh, manifested, okay? In the network that you have and the network that the other person has and what they're a part of. Now, you may also find out that you don't have much in common 
that that person uh, isn't uh, for some reason isn't doesn't uh, may help you to feel comfortable uh, or they don't listen or it's all about them or they're trying to sell you on something uh, or they're trying to get a job or this or that, you may find those things out also. And that's fine too, you know. Um, so now you know that they're probably not somebody that you want to spend any more time with uh, unless those things appeal to you um, and they don't appeal to most people. Um, so uh, I would say again, that you first of all, do your research. All you have to do is go to Google and for example, I put in keys to networking. Okay, you're going to get some information back. You need to be open to what that information is about, uh, open-minded, um, and and look at that and see. Okay, how can I apply these techniques, tactics, strategies to what I'm doing and my goals? And then it's about execution and getting better and better at it. Okay, like anything in life, I don't care if it's juggling or archery or or business strategy. You want to practice the techniques, the strategies, the uh, tactics, and get better and better at them. Not get worse at them, but get better at them, and continue to learn and uh, and apply those things and. Uh, and you'll find that you're going to get some results and the results that you get are going to be good results. And that's going to make you want to use those strategies and get better at that even more. And that's, it's an ongoing process. It never really ends. So. So what you're saying is. Um, um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I answered your question, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. And I just want to make sure I, I kind of distilled two key points on it. And I just want to make sure that I'm understanding them correctly. So number one is, you know, you really want to focus on cultivating relationships, going into those, you know, online Zoom meetings or whatever it is, and focus on just building relationships, meeting somebody you haven't met before. It's interesting for whatever reason, but not to confuse it with marketing. And then uh, another one that, that that I heard on there, just at the very end, mm -hmm. and I thought it was an excellent point, was you're there to practice your techniques and get better. <clears throat> and I think I heard that and I was like that, first of all, we don't do enough of that in general in our life. You know, we always focus on the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, friends of mine, we have, a, we have a, um, an acronym for that. And it's when your mind gets messed up, when you're not getting the type of result you want, it's usually because you have what's called an OBM, which is an outcome-based mindset, meaning that <clears throat> kind of your mentality, whether you're um, optimistic, sad, excited, whatever it is, it's all based on the outcome that happens, which really you don't have a, a tremendous amount of control over, but you really want to focus on practicing your technique and getting better instead. So it's like, I, I kind of don't play golf unless somebody invites me to play because I'm way more competitive than I am talented or skilled. <clears throat> and, you know, you go out there and say, okay, I want to shoot, you know, whatever score. Uh, back when I played more often, it's like, I want to shoot under 90. 
but it's like then you shoot 98 and you're like crap i was terrible today and you're kind of in a bad mood and or you could shoot an 89 and you're in a great mood but yet nothing in your day changed and realistically like that 98 all it is is or 89 is a is a sum of all the small things you did decision making wise technique etc and so you go in there and you practice it and it's kind of like a basketball player it's like the reason the guy's a good shooter most likely is because he's out there practicing more than the next guy. He's noticing things he's doing wrong. He's making micro changes to them and he's just putting in more work and putting in more um, kind of focused. I'm trying to think of the word to use on this, but more, more of a specific focus on technique and what he needs to do to make these small positive changes, kind of the Kaizen changes um, <clears throat> to get better. And I just know from you know <clears throat> me, I've been on both sides. I've been on networking groups where I go in there and I'm like, all right, <clears throat> you know, I'm spending an hour of my time. I want to make sure it's worth it. And then you find, you know, it's before I realized that everybody there is selling and not buying. But then I started to realize, well, wait a minute, you know, like these you know you get somebody who's a speaker or just in general you meet them and you're like wow i'm really impressed by this person you know they're either a really great listener they're a great speaker a uh, great presenter whatever it is and you realize man that's something i know i could get better at and i want to kind of emulate that person and and, and improve my skill set <clears throat> and especially when it comes to you know and we're going to get into this in a little bit but the, the in-person networking events when you go there and you have an ability to present to a group that is a that is a, a skill set that you just really do have to practice and get better. You know, make sure Al doesn't bring the clapper when I say like. <laughs> clicker, the clicker, the clicker, the clicker. <laughs> I see. I I interpret it as clapper, like exactly. Um, <laughs> but you know, the ability to work a room, to keep people's attention, to keep it, you know, to keep people focused, and. Um, to make it memorable. I mean, that's not, it's not, it's not something where you walk in the first time and you're just the best person ever and you're naturally gifted. That person's taken a lot of time. They may have gone to Toastmasters, got a lot of feedback on it back and forth. They may film themselves, you know, and like what they see or don't like what they see. But um, it goes in with trying to make yourself better and not trying to make your bottom line better. Is, is kind of those, is that kind of a good distillation of those two points from what you were saying? Mm, I would say yes, but um, if, if you want me to go into a little bit more depth on it, um, first of all, uh, the two aspects to networking uh, are, of course, there's marketing, there's getting your message out, there's becoming known, there's creating awareness, there's connecting, okay, all the types of uh, goals that you would have with any marketing strategy or, or you have with your networking. Ultimately, it's, it, is, it is about cultivating relationships, but again, it's not about just cultivating relationships so that you know a lot of people and a lot of people know you and maybe some of those people like you um, or you like some of those people. It, really, the bottom line is, are you getting clients? Are you getting customers? Are you are you connecting to resources that are useful? And how much time and effort is it taking you to get a client, to get a customer? Because you're there, it's business. You're not there to, to, to drink beers and swap war stories or, 
you know, uh, uh, or talk about uh, uh, talk about subjects that don't have anything to do with business. You're there for business. It's business networking. Okay, so that there's that part of it. The other part of it is basically I call two things: people skills and emotional intelligence. Okay. So given that their marketing, your, your networking is marketing, okay, are you doing it in a way that will increase your probability of success, okay? And the best way to increase your probability of success in networking, networking, whether it's whatever the medium is, okay, whether it's over uh, Zoom or whether it's in a room, uh, is your understanding of emotional intelligence and your execution of people skills. What you don't want to do in a networking situation is make it all about you, uh, sell to people, um, uh, 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 not uh, listen to people, uh, take up too much of people's time, uh, you want to present something positive about yourself, a success story, if you will. So if you're talking to somebody in a networking situation, you know, telling, yeah, my car broke down last week and uh, I think I uh, might have the flu and my girlfriend looks like she's going to leave me. Uh, you're going to have their attention for about five seconds before they're going to be looking around to, to go connect with somebody else because you're not presenting a success story. OK, so uh, if you ask them about suggest, oh, you're in insurance, you're in financial services, et cetera. Um, can you give me any advice about such and such or I'm not sure why I'm paying so much for my uh, my home insurance. Is, is there a way to save money? Uh, you, you ask them questions, and by asking them questions, which is an important part of people skills and emotional intelligence, you're either you're going to one establish their level of credibility and how uh, knowledgeable they are about what it is that they purport to do, and number two, you're going to get them to open up and feel good about you and feel good about uh, themselves by taking some time to explain to you something that they're good at or know a lot about. So that's, that's, that's the two main things about networking. The, it is marketing. It is about getting uh, clients or connections to resources that are gonna help you, but it's also about the people skills and emotional intelligence. Now, from how do you maximize the, the results in a networking situation? Well, first of all, make sure that you're networking as much as possible with people that you want to network with. You're not, if you're in a room full where 80% of the people are real estate agents, you know what they're there for. They're there to get a listing or get a listing from a friend of yours, or they're there to hand you out your card in case one day you may decide to buy a home or sell a home. That's what they're there for. Okay. If that's not something you're interested in, then keep in mind, keep that in mind that these 80% of the people in the room have something to offer that you're, you either are interested in or you're not interested in. But also keep in mind 
real estate agents are some of the best networking people on the planet, okay, along with insurance agents and other people who meet tons of people. That's what they do. So you can go right in and, 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 and into that situation and you can say, okay, I know that the people here uh, want to accomplish something. They want to connect with me or somebody that I know that wants to buy or sell a home. It's that simple. They're not there for any other reason, okay, uh, mostly. So um, keep that in mind and, and let them know right off the bat, hey, you know, I don't, I don't have a house I want to sell and I'm not interested in buying. I'm okay there. Um, but, uh, this is what I, this is what I do. And, uh, and I'm more interested in, in finding out, um, if you know anybody, uh, that is, uh, interested in X, Y, Z or along those lines. Okay. Um, so don't waste people's time. All right. And don't let them waste your time. That's very important. <clears throat> now, keep in mind, there's two ways basically two types of networking situations. One is where you run the networking group. And the other is where you're participating in somebody else's event where they run the networking group. So obviously um, the, the main advantage in you running your own networking group situation is that you have more control over who's gonna participate going to have more control over what's going on and you are going to be the center of attention it's just like being a the money it, it, the money is made by the speaker on the stage okay the guy with the or gal with the microphone in their hand okay they're the people that are going to be making the money all right and they're the people that get to say how this thing goes on and what what who 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 should be involved okay so if you, if you find that you enjoy networking and connecting with other people because you're a social person, for example, or because you think it's a very good strategy for creating awareness, connecting, uh, cultivating relationships, and ultimately getting clients and or selling your services or products, that's fine. If you get good at it, then think about creating your own. Now, how you do that? It's another whole subject. It's a part of another whole area of marketing strategy, but it can be done. And, it, and if you're the kind of person that enjoys that, that type of, uh, uh, of process and situation, and I would, I would say do some research and explore that. Meetup is a good way, social media, obviously, um, and, and create some events and be willing to feel a little uncomfortable. <clears throat> be willing to to accept that you are um, going to have a small audience to begin with and see how you can build that and see if you can enjoy that process. And, uh, and it's going to be challenging. Um, not everybody is a good speaker. Not everybody is a good, uh, uh, manages people well. Not everybody uh, enjoys that process but if you if you take on that challenge you'll find that you enjoy it better that you get at it so i like this this wasn't even necessarily part of what i wanted to talk about today but i think you hit on something really good is that <clears throat> and this is actually how we met um but we talk about going to a networking group and like you're going to go to somebody else's networking group 
and you know kind of what do you want to do how do you want to you know what are your expectations what are your tactics what is you know how do you want to approach it and i remember i just i i, I was looking at the, some of the networking groups and i just didn't really find anything that just vibed with me so i was like well instead of trying to bite on somebody else's mouse trap i'm just going to create my own and so that's how you and i met and so one of the things and and i agree i, I think you know the idea of like going really deep and how to run your own networking group is a whole different topic. But I do think the question of why, like what are the benefits of running your own networking group are really key. And I think, you know, two things just jump out at me right off the bat is number one, especially if you're somebody that, you know, not a lot of people know about. Um, I think it immediately elevates your status, um, with the people there because somebody goes to your networking group and they just assume that you're well-known. You're probably, you know, it's like one, it's like difference between being an employee and running a company. It's like, I used to be the employee. Now I just started my own company. Well, if you have your own networking group, it's like they're automatically looking at you, whether or not it's deserved, they're looking at you as kind of the connector in chief. Like you're the one running the group and it immediately builds status. Um, through and this is just something through and i'm sure you know something about this as well but <clears throat> one of the subconscious mental triggers that gets people to like you know immediately change how they look at things is called leader of men and when, when you're looked at as a leader of men it could be women too but more of people in general um there's a status to it people immediately instead of trying to figure out okay what are you up to what's your what's your motive and they, you know, what's this guy's ulterior motive? And they're kind of looking at you cockeyed. Now they're like, okay, well, this guy's running a meetup. Like that's his job. Like, you know, people are coming to his meetup or her meetup. Um, so they must have some, you know, they must have some positive status or, or be well-respected. And they're, that's your start off point. You're not starting off from who is this guy or girl, but like this guy is the main person. And, th and the great thing about this that I found is that, <clears throat> you know, for me, it takes out variables. It takes variables out of the situation. So if I go to somebody else's meetup and I'm trying to think of, okay, what, you know, what is my strategy? Am I just trying to meet people? Is there a certain type of person that I'm trying to meet? Am I trying to, you know, depending on some meetups, it's like you have your elevator speech and you want to be, you know, you know, concisely get your message across, whether it's for practicing and, you know, your technique and getting better, or it's maybe there's somebody in that meetup that I could, um, you know, that might be a client of mine. It changes that to where if you're the group leader, you're not trying to do that, but your job is really to facilitate other things and to help people kind of get their own spotlight. And so what happens is people immediately, they're going to know about you. You don't have to give a pitch about your business. You can kind of, um, can't think of the word to use on this, but you can basically, uh, you know, kind of be the conductor for lack of a better, a better phrase. Mm -hmm. And people know what you do. I mean, you can make that even part of kind of how your presentation is. My name's Matt. I'm the leader of this group. I'll be facil facilitating. Thank you. That's the word. Um, you know, this is what I do, but we're going to talk about this. So it's a very light touch. And, you know, when, if people need something, let's say you're that real estate agent or an insurance agent or, or whatever it is, they're going to go to you because you're kind of the, you're, you're the celebrity for lack of a better term, that mini celebrity that is in their life. 
that they immediately respect. And that, again, that's whether it's deserved or not. It may not even be merited. You may be terrible what you do, but in their eyes, you know, this, this person's kind of, you know, not just attending the meeting, but they're starting their own meetup and people are actually coming to them. So I think that's, that's really important. Um, again, it takes the pressure off me when I, you know, when I run my own meetup, because I don't really have to do anything. I'm not there to impress anybody. They're here for a reason. They want to come to my meetup. And my goal realistically inside at the very core isn't selling a product. That's not my number one goal. My number one goal is I want to help, you know, either help people, you know, integrate and, and get to know each other. Two, it's improving my own presentation and leadership skills. And three, um, it's just, you know, providing a positive place for, you know, for people to feel like their business is improving and you're adding value to them. So I, mm-hmm. I think anybody out there who is sitting here trying to figure out, like, I don't, there's no real good meetup group that I, that I've identified yet. Um, or, you know, they're not exactly, you know, the people that I either haven't liked the people that I've gone to there, like you go to a meetup group and like you said, they're just not the type of people that you're looking to hang out with long-term. If, you know, if I, you know, you go to a meetup group and it's all real estate professionals, well, maybe that's not you and you should be going to a different meetup group. But if you kind of run into the dead end, like I did, and I'm like, well, I just don't want to sit here and just go to them to go to them. And I don't want to sit at home all day twiddling my thumbs then maybe starting one up and just, you know, it could be kind of the counter meetup group where it's like, we're going to be the meetup group for people. It's like almost like the Kramer and his coffee table book. We're going to be the, we're going to be the meetup group for people that can't find the right meetup group. So maybe it's the band of renegades or misfits or something like that. But it's one of those things where you're going to immediately start to attract people that are like-minded. And that was my whole point was like, I can't find, I put it in my meetup. I is, I can't find anybody that I'm like-minded. This is what I'm, this is kind of what I'm doing. This is what I'm looking for. If this is of interest, come on over. And this is kind of what you should expect. And, and I'm kind of self-filtering from the very beginning. So like it's, you know, you can go anywhere from a very broad meetup group, let's say EE, exceptional entrepreneurs, where it's just anybody and everybody it's buckshot meetup. Um, to very targeted ones where you're, you know, it could be, vir- you know, it could be virtual entrepreneurs or like there's one that we go to where it's tech startup entrepreneurs. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So if you're selling insurance, boy, you are not going to have a lot of people that are have a whole lot in common with you at that meetup. But if you're a software programmer or somebody that is looking to do a tech startup, then these are amazing, amazing contacts for you to meet. Um, but I think the value of starting your own it's something that most people just don't think about. They just think, oh, that's for other people. These people are like well-known in the community. I, I can't, I don't know. Nobody knows me, but they don't know that. <laughs> and that's, that doesn't even matter. You, you know, you don't have to be qualified to run your own meetup. You just have to decide to run, run your own meetup. And if, and it provides enough value to the people out there, then people are going to come. People are going to talk to their friends. People are going to peruse on meetup or Eventbrite or wherever it is. And they're going to see your meetup and go, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. So they, they'll, they'll self-qualify for, for attending. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things that I noticed about, you know, one of the things you said about the online thing that I thought were really good. Um, number one, you had mentioned that um, it's really important if you're going to go there to focus on the fact that you're connecting people, you're connecting yourself to resources, 
And I think that's, you know, you, you put it in a way that I never really thought of before. Typically, if you go to a meetup and you're looking to make a sale and that's your goal, it's a very direct approach to what you're doing. But really, more than anything, you're just trying to connect yourself to resources, which I agree, real estate agents, and well, particularly, but insurance agents as well, um, take a more indirect route. They're just going to mm-hmm. pass out a bunch of business cards. They're going to get people to meet, meet people, and they're going to expand their Rolodex in a sense, nobody has Rolodexes anymore. Um, but focusing yourself on, look, my job, my, my, my job is I want to build my network. Well, okay, fair enough. Um, but I want to really focus on connecting myself to resources. So if I find out that this person is a website designer, all right, I'll make a mental note. If I ever decide I need one, it's like, all right, that's cool. If I have somebody that sells t-shirts, but that's not really like something that I'm interested in, or it's probably not going to help me, then I'll make a note, but it's, you know, they go into a different pile. Um, I think one of the really key things you said was you don't want to waste time, you know, and it's like, we are all the type of person that if we see something on, we go on a social media page or a web page, I mean, you have to get your message across in a matter of what, two seconds? basically three, maybe five, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to an online um, meetup group, you don't want to waste time. And one of the things you didn't really mention, but I think it, it, I kind of got gathered from that as an expansion on that point was um, you really want to focus more on the verbal versus the nonverbal. Like if you go to an in-person meetup group, your nonverbal communication is very important. Typically 93% of what you communicate is nonverbal. Um, but you don't have that luxury when you're on Zoom. You know, your body language, how you dress, it really doesn't matter. You could be wearing a nice suit and tie on the top and be wearing Tommy Bahama shorts on the bottom. Nobody, nobody can tell, right? Um, you're generally sitting. Some people will stand when they're on Zoom, but generally you're sitting. So your body language is totally different. So you really want to focus more on the verbal and get to the point. Like, what are you going to say? What's important? How do you get, you know, in a, you have a, might have a Zoom grid where there's 25 people in there and everybody else is sitting there thinking, okay, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste time. I got to keep my own attention. How can you, what can you do to focus more on the verbal of what you're saying, how to say it, um, and yet not waste time, I think is really important if you're going to succeed mm-hmm. in that. So those are some of the takeaways that I had um, from what you had. Now, let's pivot a little bit. And we're going to talk about running a uh what's it called um, talking about moving back when the time is right, moving back to in-person start meeting startup. So mm. it's, it's funny. We've been here nine months and maybe there's people that are listening that it just started, decided to start their own business in the summer or the fall. And they have never been to an in-person meetup, right? The only meetups they've ever even seen are zoom meetups, which is kind of crazy. Right. Mm. Um, or it's just been such a long time that people just kind of have to get mentally acclimated back to it. So, Um, what would you recommend? Let's say we're fast forwarding X number of months, five months, six months, three months, a year, two years, whatever it is. Um, and they're going to a in-person meetup. So what would you recommend when things start up again? And and not just the how, because we'll talk about that. But Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I wanted to at least get your take on was, and I'm a big, you know, I'm, I'm the optimist and the positive person, obviously. What are the things that, what are the things that somebody can do to be a first mover when they start? Cause you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are just kind of like, all right, we're back to normal. We're in person. This is, you know, what do I do? And they just don't have their bearings, you know, 
It's somebody that, you know, they, they decided they're going to go play golf again, but they haven't played in 10 years and ever, all their, everything is rusty and out of practice. And they just, mm-hmm. you know, are kind of just brooding their way through the process. Mm. But I think the person who is, who has a plan, a well thought out strategy for how to take advantage of that type of situation, I think has a much better chance to be successful in these situations. So I kind of, just to give mm-hmm. a little bit of the, the foundation on that, those two okay. topics. So what can we do? What can somebody out there who, um, when in-person startups, what can they do to be the first mover? And maybe just as more of an open-ended question, what are some strategies that people can have um, similar to what you said about the, the, the online or virtual networking, mm-hmm. but done in an in-person? Okay. Well, uh, if I could, I would just like to go back and just uh, uh, talk a little bit about, about uh, some, some networking techniques, because I really believe that the techniques uh, uh, for networking are, are very similar, whether you're online or whether you're in person. Now, obviously, there are some differences. But first of all, let me say that if you are the facilitator, you immediate, immediately establish yourself as somebody who is credible, who has some authority, who has uh, some social uh, validity, and, and you're going to be the center of attention. So that's a good place to come from if you do it well. If you don't do it well, uh, then basically you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So I would say before you take that on, get some experience at being part of a networking group, see how the people lead it, see what you like about what they do, what you don't like about the way they do things, uh, uh, see what, wh- how people interact and the dynamics of how people interact in the group, depending on what that group is about. And, uh, and uh, then uh, when you've gotten some experience, okay, then keep in mind some of these techniques. First of all, you want to be there and establish yourself as, as somewhat of an expert or knowledgeable person and that you're there to help, okay? Number two, if you just do it once, it's not uh, going to be as effective as if you make it a, uh, something that you do with a frequency or in a routine basis, okay? Um, as much as possible, relax, okay? Kind of be easy going if you can and help people to feel comfortable around you, whether it's online or whether it's in person. You want people to feel comfortable about you and and what you're there for, okay? And that's just, that's just, that's just connecting, you know? Um, and here's something that a lot of people in networking don't do. They go to a networking event or they go to it, whether it's online or in person, they never follow up in any way. They may have the person's card. They may have the person's email. They may have the person's phone number. They can send them a text message. They may know what the person is about. They don't typically follow up. They make no attempt whatsoever to take it another step. Even if that person has nothing to offer you, you can still invite them to participate in something that you have in common. 
if you you feel like you've connected with that person, then you can at least offer them an opportunity to connect with other people that you've connected with. So, okay. Um, that's going to be the same whether you're in person or not. Now, I don't think that until everybody gets vaccinated and until the laws uh, and the, the rules and the regulations change, um, I don't think people are going to be getting together for networking. They may be getting together for other reasons, social, uh, uh, and they're going to start with the people that they know the people that they haven't had a chance to be in the same room with for a year, okay, which are probably going to be friends and people that they've connected with socially and on some level. And at the same time, I would say the next, the next group of people that are going to get together are people who aren't necessarily getting together for networking, but have something in common and they want to share that common interest whether they're a doctor or they're into, um, you know, model trains or they're into, uh, into anything uh, where they want to hear what other people have to say about it and what's the state of this or that at this time. And they also are people, people type, people type people where they enjoy being in a room with people. Those people are going to connect. Networking is going to be somewhere down the line. Okay, so um, I don't think I, I don't think people are going to get together for networking purposes uh, specifically to uh, to network for 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 quite some time. I, I would say those those things have to be in place first. They will continue to do it online, um, and then they will continue to present their their information as part of a webinar with networking after or as some kind of a social thing online where people are, I don't know, doing whatever they're doing and just chit-chatting or, or what have you, that's going to be, that's going to continue to happen online. And I don't think that it's, people now are much more savvy about using this technology than they have ever been. And the technology has improved. I don't know. I'm sure you've noticed, and many people out there in that in our audience that are listening have noticed that because we've literally been forced to use this technology, the providers of this technology have realized that it has to be better, it has to be more reliable, it has to have more capabilities, it has to have more uh, features, and and so what was something that was kind of just okay or used maybe in an advanced corporate type situation is now those features and benefits are basically available to anyone and everyone. So, um, so as a and the technology will get better. In my opinion, it's only going to be a, a fairly short period of time between uh, what we're doing now where we're seeing pictures and video uh, of each other online to virtual reality, where we're literally not going to know the difference between being physically in a room with people and being virtually in a room with people. And um, I have, I remember at one point in time, this whole virtual reality thing, uh, whether it was online, creating a world online, or whether with a, 
statement, some kind of avatar representing you, at, or whether it was a learning or teaching situation, or you're learning to op do brain surgery, or whatever, this, this whole virtual reality thing was really hyped up big time at one point. And for some reason, nobody's talking about it anymore. Um, but I see as the technology improves, as the bandwidth improves, as accessibility improves, uh, as everything becomes more mobile, um, and as the phones get more and more powerful, which they are now incredibly powerful, um, we're going to see more virtual uh, reality where we're not we're not going to be in a room physically with people and smelling them and hearing and and and, uh, and, and, and seeing them that way. We're we're going to be in a virtual reality. So when you, it's going to be more intimate. It's going to be more personal. It's going to be more uh, uh, more of a connection, and I see that happening in the near future. Um, so uh, I don't think it's going to go back to the old normal. The new normal is going to be is going to be technology enhanced interaction at a distance, at, at, at that's asynchronous or synchronous. And uh, which means it's either real time or it's something that you go back and review, uh, which is a recording, which is what we do with our podcast. How many people actually, nobody listens to this live and I don't want them to listen to this live. There's a place for live and there's place for recorded. And at some point in the future, we might do something where we have a live audience that wants to participate and, uh, and to ask questions and have us respond uh, you know, uh, directly to those questions live in real time. But in, until we see a real need for that, uh, and, and until we make that available to our audience, it's all recorded. So uh, I think there's good, that's, that. I guess that's my answer to your question, Matt, is I wouldn't be concerned about it. I don't think it's going to be that important to be in a room with people unless you want to touch them and smell them. And there may be that in the future also in a digital environment where you are smelling them and you are touching them. So I virtually. So I don't know. I, I, I think, I, again, I don't think I know that people have a hunger and a desire to to connect and be in a room with other people or be in an event with other people. Um, and I think that's what people really really looking for in the future is to be in an event with other people, live music, uh, live entertainment, uh, drinking, uh, uh, eating, uh, 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 talking, and so forth, but sharing an event experience. I think that's what people are really hungry for as much more than getting in a room with a, 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 a bunch of people and just chit-chatting. Okay, I think that's that's where it's going, in my opinion. Well, first of all, I love what you said right there, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> shape it a little bit. So I was thinking when you said they would go to an event because they want to touch people and smell people, I just thought, well, that's you're going to meet Joe Biden there. Like, there's just no question. <laughs> but you have to make sure you bring little girls. So, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so, with that being said, um, uh, you know, a couple things I said uh, that you said I thought were really poignant. Uh, number one, uh, I think technology will help shape what networking looks like. I totally agree with that. I think no matter whether it's in person or not, it's totally going to do that. So if you look at um, 
like the online or virtual networking, I think Zoom is the first mover. But if you think that Zoom, is, the way it looks now is going to be anything the way you know it operates in five years, I think, you're, hmm. I think people would be incredibly naive. There's not one product that is an innovative product that five years later looks the same um, or operates the same, really. But for in-person, it's going to be the same thing as well. I think people, like the, the level of technology and the capabilities that people have are going to shape things entirely. Um, and then I think one of the things that you had mentioned, I was actually going to say, but you beat me to the point, was, you know, it's about, you know, if you're going to do something in person, whether it's an event or a traditional networking event, it's about sharing an experience. And that's <clears throat> really why people do anything in person. You know, a good example of that are football games, right? So like the, the viewing experience for watching a football game at home is way better than it is in person. You know, as somebody that used to have season tickets to the Chargers when they were in town, um, th those were fun events, but there's nothing like, you know, having your own fridge stock full of beer or snacks or food. You have your own bathroom. Um, you have, you know, instant replay, commentating, you have better views on a lot of things than anybody. And so that's one of the things the NFL had to compete with is people, you know, it's a lot easier being at home where it's 72 degrees inside when you're living in Buffalo or Green <laughs> Bay versus, versus having to go in 10 degrees and it's snowy out and you're sitting on a cold seat. I still remember living in Cleveland as a little kid. My dad took me to the game and I don't know, it had to be in December, but it was like the most miserable cold day I've ever had in my whole life. And if there wasn't a football game going on, I, would, I don't know why anybody would even be out there. Um, but they're about sharing an experience about being at that one place where, oh, I remember I was at that game or I remember being part of a crowd where you're, you know, trying to make it incredibly difficult on the other team or you're cheering on or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. Um, but, you know, moving on to the in-person meetups, because I do think that is going to go back to normal at some point. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it's only going to be in person. No, I think there's going to be virtual ones. You know, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to network, let's just say the first one that pops in my head are like people that work in Silicon Valley. If you want to, if you want to network with them, there's a lot of companies that are moving out of Silicon Valley. For mm -hmm. example, Salesforce, I believe moved to Nashville, if I remember right. Um, but there's people that want to network at Salesforce that probably want to network with their friends or people at Google or Facebook or um, something like that then they're, they're definitely going to be virtual. I mean, it appeals to that in some respects. So it's not, it's not going away. Mm -hmm. But I do think the in-person part of it is going to come back. We're social animals. People just, you know, they want to share an experience. They want to have some type of in-person relationship with people like that. And so some of the things that you had mentioned, I just want to kind of re recap uh, that I thought were real good salient points. Uh, number one, you want to really first determine your strengths and weaknesses. I think that's really important. I don't know how many people do that. And I, I'd say it's probably under 10% of people approach networking events and actually sit here and do kind of an invent, a self-inventory of what their strengths and weaknesses are. Maybe you're a great public speaker. Maybe you're gregarious and outgoing. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're totally self-conscious, right? Um, but it's important to really identify that ahead of time so that you know what to really focus on and maybe what to try to couch a little bit and what you can, you know, maybe help um, not showcase. You know, if, you, if you're somebody that has Tourette's syndrome and you're just screaming out profanities every four seconds, then, you know, it's kind of important to know that ahead of time. Um, 
you know, and then well, maybe I would you suggest wanna... if that's what you do, you go to a meetup group where everybody has Tourette's and I would love. To, oh my uh, gosh. I would love I would to be love at that to see group. that. I would love to see that. I've seen so many different kinds of meetup groups. I've seen meetup groups for people who had social phobia. Right. And I wonder how many people are showing up for that group, you know? Yeah. I want to, you know, you have meetup <laughs> groups for people who are addicted to meetups. You have <laughs> meetup recovery groups, which is really weird because I don't know how you're going to go to a, a meeting a 12 step meeting when you're addicted to meetings, like how is that going to happen? Mm. Um, but I think, no, it is important to identify your strengths and weaknesses and know them ahead of time. And it's okay. You should have, I know what my weaknesses are and I know what my strengths are. Um, I know one of my weaknesses, you have that clicker for a reason. I say like about every three seconds. So fair enough. No, you don't I, actually. Well, I'm doing better today. Um, but anyway, number two, you're there to help. <laughs> understand that you're there to help people. And I think that's the important part. If you understand that you're there in a giving mood as opposed to what can I get from people, I think not only is it going to, you're going to have a better outcome, but it's also going to take the pressure off. And it's also going to really focus your mind on what you can do. If you're focused on making a sale, then every single thing you do verbally and non-verbally uh, is going to is going to really be centered around what can I do to get this sale in? But if you're focusing on what can I do to help, you're also going to do that as well. One of my old bosses and mentors um, in the corporate world used to always say, you know, what gets focused on gets done. Mm. So if you're not talking about it, it's not going to get done. You have a 0% chance of it happening. But if you're focusing on it and talking about it over and over, this is our goal, then odds are you're going to get that done sooner or later. Um, and if you're focusing on, on being there to help people, then that is going to get done as well. Uh, mm. you, there's another great point you made. You said, make it a routine versus just doing it a la carte. And I just know for me, if I'm going to go to a meetup group, I want to go to it pretty much every week or every, you know, be there so that people know me. They know that if we're going to the meetup group, they have an opportunity to meet with me. They know that I'm committed to it and, and that this is a relationship that they're going to, you know, if they're going to meet me once, I'm just not going to show up and be there every seventh week. It doesn't really help anything, right? But if you're there all the time, then you get to learn the character of somebody right away and they get to learn the character of you. And it's, it's important. It really does help build the relationship and gives you something to look forward to. If I know that there's somebody that I like talking to and I know that they're always at this meetup, then I'm more likely to show up at that meetup and it's going to be more of a productive thing. But if they're only there every once in a blue moon, then, you know, it doesn't really do anything. Um, Again, along the lines with being there to help, you said and helping people feel comfortable. And I think, again, it's not just helping people on what you can do from a career point, but what could you do to help people feel comfortable? You know, and that helps, you know, maybe you have somebody that does have a social phobia. What can I do to really create a safe or a soft landing spot for somebody that they actually want to open up or they want to talk about it? And especially if you're an insurance agent where they just feel like immediately say, oh, I, I work for farmers. It's like, oh, great. This person's going to try to hawk their wares on me. Um, but when you go out of your way to help people feel comfortable, then you're taking away that, that apprehension that people might have. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last thing that you, you really addressed, which I think was really important. And, and they talk about this at meetups, but I'm going to kind of add my own um, little editorial on this but is, is you said make sure to follow up and people always talk about that but one of the things that that you kind of alluded to and i'm just going to be more direct on it is that most people don't follow up 
Mm-hmm. So you go to a meetup, let's say it's in person and you have, you know, five or six people's business cards that they hand to you. Um, most people don't follow up. So either you hand your business card to somebody else and, you, and they hand theirs back and you follow up, or maybe somebody instigated it. And, but even if somebody hands you a business card and they're, and they have no interest, you have no interest in what they do. You're never going to buy their product. You know, it, it's still important to say, Hey, it was really cool talking with you today. You know, you know, it was nice hearing about whatever, or if you are interested, maybe I, you know, I want to hear more about it or let's meet up for coffee or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. I think it shows people that, that you have goodwill and, and boy, there is nothing in the world that, that will build business and build a good reputation than goodwill. And at the same time, there's nothing that tears down a good business than a lack of goodwill. Mm-hmm. And if somebody senses that you're there with ulterior motives, then you just are not building goodwill at all. But if they, if you care not so much about what they can do for you, but like they know that you generally care about them, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, you have, they're meaningful to you, then, you know, it's going to, people are going to feel comfortable referring people to you again. Maybe they're not in your target market at all. Maybe you're, you know, making, you know, $11 an hour, you're making minimum wage. And this person's a real estate agent. And you're like, well, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. So what do I care? The heck with this person. But if all of a sudden it's like, you know, and this person's probably feeling the same way, this guy, you know, this person's a waiter at Denny's. I used to do that. Um, they're never going to buy a house, but if you're still establishing goodwill, they, they might meet somebody that is looking for an agent and they're complaining because it's like, man, the last agent I had was just terrible or I want to buy a house. I don't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to reach out to somebody and I don't want to have a hundred people calling me back. Little do you know, the line cook at Denny's might be, you know, a person that could help feed you business. You just don't know. Yeah. You never know who their brother-in-law is. You don't know who their brother-in-law is. Yeah. Maybe they're just, maybe they got, you know, they decide I don't want to live off daddy's trust fund and I'm just <laughs> going to make my own way and I'm going to work myself up from the bottom up. Maybe they're the people that own Denny's and they're just working as a line cook because they want to, you know, they, their family wants them to get a work yeah. ethic. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to do that. And I think those are really good points. And I think one of the common things that I look at in all five of those is the word humility jumps into mind is not, it's not about trying to build your business or make yourself feel better, but it's about what can I do um, to be there for other people. And in my high school, my high school is a a Jesuit high school and their, their, um, their tagline for lack of a better word, their motto is probably the right word for it is men for others. And that's what they drilled into us for four years. It's like basically quit thinking about yourself Mm -hmm. and really every day you want to be thinking about what can I do for other people? When you see somebody in front of them, what can I do to better their life, to help them out? Um, You know, really just drilled empathy in, you know, what is it like living from in their point of view and what are some things that I can do to help them out? And, uh, and I think kind of the points that you made are all kind of around there. Like, what can I, you know, what, what are things that I can do to help people out? And then at the same point, even you have the strengths and weaknesses isn't about like service necessarily, but it's about humility and like, what could, you know, what are things that I'm good at? Great. I'll acknowledge I'm, you know, I'm a really good public speaker or I, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm a confident person, but maybe I have weaknesses. Maybe I stutter. Maybe I have Tourette syndrome. Maybe I need to stop, you know, cursing at people every four seconds. And maybe I'm just, I'm a really, maybe I just have, a, you know, a lot of nerves and issues. Maybe I'm scared to be around tall people, mm-hmm. you know, could be anything. I don't know. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I don't like being around short people. It could be whatever, mm-hmm. but like, 
you know, maybe I'm scared, like most people, I'm scared to death of public speaking. Like Jerry Seinfeld said, I'd rather be in the coffin than deliver the eulogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to know that ahead of time. And when you do that, I, I just, I think if you, if you pick those five points that you would mention right there, um, you're going to be ahead of 98, 99% of the people out there. And I think that right there from a confidence standpoint does more for, at least for me, I can't speak for anybody else in the audience and anybody else. When I know that I've done the homework that maybe 1% or 2% of the other people out there have done, I I know I'm ahead of the curve, Mm -hmm. you know? And I know like part of the other thing that's really important is understanding that most people aren't doing that. It's like, all right, well, I'm not putting anybody else on a pedestal. Like I'm walking cold into this new meetup group. And let's say you're at EE and there's 50 people there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not ahead. I'm not behind 50 people. These aren't like seasoned chiseled veterans that, you know, kind of have all their stuff together. I'd say 48 of those 50 probably, you know, are not in a very positive place. And they're feeling mm. desperation or they're feeling a need to sell people there. It could be anything. But when you've done your homework that 48 of those 50 people haven't done, it's like, all right, I'm walking in and I might be the newbie there. I might be somebody that doesn't know anybody there, but I've done more mental work um, than most of the people here. And I'm going to, you know, I don't feel like I have to, you know, dig myself up from, from the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a level of confidence, even if you don't know anybody or don't have any relationships, it's like, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Um, I'm not good at like, I, I'm not, maybe I'm not good at one uh, on groups, right? Maybe if I get in a group of 10 people, I used to date a girl that had social anxiety disorder and she hated groups. She was petrified of being a group of five to six people. Mm. It was all one-on-one. And so if that's the case, then, you know, that helps you pick your meet up a little bit. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah, or maybe maybe you talk to one or two people and you duck out. Um, maybe you love people. Like I'm, I'm the opposite. I love groups. That's why we never got along dating is because I love the big groups. And I'm, I'm okay with, you know, one-on-one as well. But man, if you can give me a group of 10 to 20 people, I love it. I, mm-hmm. I thrive on it. I, I get and I build energy off of it. And that's important to know as well. And if there's a group of, you know, three people, it's not as fun to me as if there's a group of 20 people. And so that helps me, helps me distill kind of the meetups that I maybe want to go to. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, so with that being said, uh, let's do a closing thought and we'll wrap up a little bit. And uh, so we'll talk about networking. So the initial topic, and I know we've bridged, we've branched off on this a little bit is what does mm-hmm. networking look on 2021? So I would say this, leave a parting, let's leave a parting thought for somebody in the next month you being the expert in networking, that's why we've kind of kind of given you the floor pretty much most of the day today. Mm. Um, if you could give somebody one piece of advice that they could take and run with today, like a baton in a relay race, what would you tell them? Wow. And um, you could pick a couple if, if, you, if yeah, you wanted to sell it down, uh, okay. but what are some um, main things that actionable items that somebody okay. could take and run with today? Okay, for, okay, absolutely. I'll give you some actionable items. First of all, tune in to your existing contacts. Number one, how many companies do you know don't pay attention to the customers or clients that they already have? Especially in a network situation, tune in to your existing contacts. See where they're at. See what you can do to help them. Let them know you're still around. 
Let them find out if they are safe and well. Find out what some of their goals are, uh, what they're trying to accomplish, which may have changed drastically in this time that we live in, this difficult, uncertain, challenging time, okay? Um, follow up with them, okay? Follow up with the people you're already connected with, okay? Whether they're clients, customers, or just somebody you happen to meet. Um, and, and then move from those people to people uh, that you don't know. Uh, get, start, and then the second thing, most importantly, is if you're not good at it, okay, or you don't feel comfortable with it, that's your challenge, okay? So learn what you need to know about technology. Don't say, oh, I can't deal with technology. Learn what you need to know and realize that it's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's going to be a little bit awkward. It's going to be a little bit difficult, but you're going to do it anyway, and you're going to get better at it, and you're going to keep getting better at it. So that, your social skills, practice your social skills, practice your people skills, do some research on emotional intelligence, okay? And be open to feedback always open to feedback. If you're interacting with somebody and you sense that they don't like you, don't immediately point to them and say, well, they're an a-hole. No, figure out if maybe there's something that you're doing that you could do better so that they would feel comfortable talking to you or interacting with you. And third, I would say, importantly, don't waste your time. Okay, time is too valuable. Stay focused, keep your eye on the prize, okay? And the prize is not just chit chat. The prize is ultimately in business networking is business, okay? Creating business and creating the opportunities for connection in business and ultimately then to provide your service, make some money and expand and grow what it is that you're doing. And so that's that's what I would like to leave it with. Really, those are the fundamentals. All right, perfect. So let me just recap a couple really key points that I think you made. Um, you said tune into your existing contacts. And one of the things I really like about that is sometimes I'll be sitting at home and I realize, man, and this has nothing to do with like business networking. Mm. But I'll, I'll realize, man, I haven't talked to this person in a while. Somebody's name pops in my head. And I'm like, I wonder what they're doing. And so... I, you know, I could send a text to them and say, hey, hey, how you doing? But a better way is to say, hey, I was just thinking about you. Hey, is everything going on? Are, are you okay? Is everything fine? Or how are you, you and your family doing? Mm -hmm. I mean, particularly a very specific, like, text of concern. Because mm. then it's like, all right, it's not like, hey, what's up? Like, maybe somebody's bored on the other end, but like, they actually do care about you and they're thinking about you. And it's weird how often it is when I do that and they're like, oh, I was just thinking about you too. It's just kind of weird the way that kismet goes. Um, so I think it's important to do that and actually, you know, asking a specific question. How are you doing? How's your business doing? Uh, just thinking about you. Is there anything I can do to help you out? Something along mm -hmm. those lines. I think it's really important just to refresh your contacts because mm -hmm. we all could have, we could have 700 contacts on LinkedIn, but it doesn't mean anything if you're not actually talking to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, same thing goes with your contact list on your phone. So sometimes just going through your contact list and saying, oh, I haven't talked to somebody. I'm just checking and see how they're doing. And 
maybe it's somebody that you haven't thought about for a while. So I think that is really, really great point that you made. Um, and doing that obviously before you develop new connections, because why would you develop a new connection if you're never going to talk to them like your old connections, right? <laughs> That's stupid. Um, and yet we all do it. Um, you know, secondly, you said, learn what you need to know about technology. And I think it's really important. It's, you know, what, you know, understanding the humility of what you know versus what you don't know. And maybe there's a technology that you don't, you aren't familiar with. So maybe you're, you know, if you really want to do a good meetup group or you're doing a webinar, you talked about it. So understanding how to, how to do video and, you know, how to, you know, what, pro, what program do you need to have? What's the best program? Maybe you don't have any money to spend. What's the best free program to use? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then developing better skills. Like how can I make more compelling content? You know, um, maybe you see somebody doing something on YouTube and you really love the way they do it. Well, reach out to them and ask them, hey, what platform do you use on yours? Mm -hmm. Or I don't have any money. What platform would you recommend? Because <laughs> they're probably going to have some good ideas for you. And the best mm -hmm. way to do it is cheat off people who are already doing well. So mm -hmm. um, being open to feedback is really important. Um, we talked about this in a prior episode. I remember in corporate America, I had to do a 360 degree feedback. So I would get, they would pull, they would ask my, my, my boss and my boss's boss about me and a whole series of questions. And they would ask all my peers the same thing, like five people that are on the same level as me. And then they would ask all my direct reports, the same thing. And it was really scary because you have people that either don't like you because you're the manager. You have people that are competing against you as your peers. And you have your bosses who love giving critical feedback about anybody that they, you know reports to them. It could be a really scary time, but the mm. feedback that you're going to get is invaluable. And I learned a lot about it. And, you know, I think it's really important. One, I learned that, you know, people actually did like and respect me more than I was worried they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, but two, you know, generally, if there was any critiques in there, they were generally pretty consistent. So you're not going to get 19 separate, you know, discrete points of, of critique. They're generally going to fall in one theme for the most part. Um, and that helps you know what to work on, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and then last line, last thing, and I think it's really awesome. Don't waste your time. It's you know, and in my in my opinion, it's too valuable. You know, it's 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 like what Mark Twain said about real estate. He goes, "They stop. You want to buy it because they stopped making it a long time ago." <laughs> so the time is the only thing that you cannot get back. You can make mm -hmm. more money. You can make more connections. You can always make more of everything. But like Bitcoin, and maybe that's the other one. They, there's only there's a finite amount of it. And once time goes away, you don't have another opportunity. So for the rest mm -hmm. of 2021, you're never going to get another rest of January. You're never going to get another this week again. You're never going to mm -hmm. get a next month again once it passes. So, you know, take advantage of it. And you don't know this, this last year's taught us a lot. You don't know what life is going to be like. There's a lot of us who go, man, like I, I really have a great appreciation for being able to go out and have a beer in a, in a bar or a having dinner with my family or seeing mm -hmm. my dad who's 83 mm -hmm. and you just don't know if, if, you know, in one week or in one day or in one fell swoop opportunities that you just took for granted, aren't going to be there anymore. So, um, and in business, when you're spending money and time and mental energy towards something, the last thing you ever want to do is waste it because you will not and cannot get it back. So mm -hmm. I thought those are awesome points. And I think anybody listening to this, um, definitely, you know, 
is going to get a lot out of, of your expertise on this, Al. So we're going to do one th quick thing um, and then we'll wrap up. Number one, where do people, if somebody wants to, to connect with you on this topic, since this is your Bally, uh, your Ballywick, what is your, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what are the best ways to reach out to you if they have any questions or just want to connect right. with you? Well, really the best way, you know, you could Google Al Horn MBA PhD and the first thing that'll pop up will be my LinkedIn profile. So I would say the best way to connect with me is to connect with me on LinkedIn, first and foremost, uh, to, uh, to let me know what you're about and to find out more about what I'm about and what I do. And, uh, and then if you feel like you want to really connect, then go ahead and ask to connect with me and be a part of my network on LinkedIn. Um, that's really the best way to connect with me. So just Google my name, Al Horn, MBA, PhD, or go to Google, uh, go to LinkedIn uh, and, uh, and look for me there and you'll see APC Marketing Group. And uh, that's my company. And I'm a, a marketing strategist and business coach and I do PR and promotion. So that's what I do, but I'm happy to talk about other things uh, that uh, we may mutually be interested in, whether it doesn't have to be just marketing strategy. So uh, reach out to me there. All right. Sounds great. Well, listen, we all appreciate you guys uh, taking the time today in our episode. Hopefully we've been extremely valuable for you today. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure you do so. Uh, if you have any questions for me, my name is Matt. You can reach out to me at matt at salescheatcode.com. Uh, but I definitely recommend reaching out to Al. This guy is literally a wealth of information for networking and really for building businesses and connections. So he's really well known here in San Diego, uh, has an extremely large network and is extremely valuable uh, and can help you out. So I definitely encourage you to reach out to Al um, in, the, in the, the venues that he's, uh, you know, that he recommended. So with that being said, uh, we're going to sign off today. My name is Matt. And I am Al. And we'll I'll see you next week. Thanks Adios. So much. Thank you for joining us today on the Halicean Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey, so take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait, do it now. Can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon.